to another episode of the 10th and L podcast, brought to you by True North Church in Anchorage, Alaska. My name is Philip Coleman, and I'm joined today by Pastor Tracy Simmons. Tracy, how are you? I'm doing just great. How are you? I had some great lunch. It was fun. Yeah, man. Straight out of Philly today for lunch. <laughs> Your first time. Definitely not my first time. And as I said, I've already told uh, Stephen, he's my son, uh, we'll be going there on Wednesday when he comes in from Wasilla because he is a Philly freak. Oh, that's so good. uh, We're going to have to discover some more about that. So props to them. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, man. It was a lot of fun. Hey, if you're just tuning in, uh, this is going to be episode number 24. Last week's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Tyler Wolf, our congregational singing leader and communications director here at True North. And we talked through the good, the bad, and the ugly of congregational worship, dealing with the theology of what we sing, the philosophy of why we might sing some songs and not others, and how we make those calls. Is it totally subjective? Does the Bible speak to any of those things? Specifically, if you missed that episode, I would encourage you to tune in at the end. We played a game that we called Good, Bad, or Ugly, uh, where we probably picked on your favorite worship song. So if you like being offended, I'm just kidding, but maybe not, uh, tune in and check that episode out. Today, as you heard, I'm joined by Pastor Tracy Simmons. Tracy is the pastor of Christ Community Church here in Anchorage. Uh, he himself is the product of uh, a family, a father who is a pastor, just like I am, so we have a lot in common in that way. Uh, He and I, I think, see the world similarly. He's been a good friend to me across the last year. We've gotten to know each other better as I've taken on a role and responsibility at Laverne Griffin Camp out in the Valley. And so today, Tracy's agreed just to sit down and chat with me, similarly to what I was able to do with Pastor Gary Motes about a month ago. We're going to hear some of Tracy's story, hopefully a little bit of the history of his church, some of the interesting ways that God moved to bring that whole thing about. Uh, We'll talk through some of what he's been learning lately. He's actually a student right now, in addition to his other responsibilities. And then we're just going to chew on what's going on in the church in the West a little bit. How are things in Anchorage? How have they been in the past, et cetera? So before I steal all of Tracy's thunder, um, Tracy, I want to throw the ball to you right out of the gate and just ask you, if you would, to tell us a little bit of your story. How did you meet the Lord? Where are you from? What do we need to know to know Tracy Simmons? Well, I have a A unique position within my own family, which is that I'm the only Yankee in my family, uh, only one born in the North. Everybody else was born in the South, Georgia, Virginia, uh, places like that. I was born at West Point in New York while my dad was stationed there as a a recruiter for the Air Force. So uh, that, you know, caused a little bit of friction as I grew up because (laughs) I had different sensibilities. I had a completely different worldview, all those sorts of things because I was born in the North. Mm -hmm. But... uh, I don't remember anything about New York. I was a a year old when we moved from there. I have a vague memory of living, I think, in Georgia briefly, but my memories start in Nebraska, Hmm. where we were before we came to Alaska. came to Alaska in 1972. My dad was uh, ready to retire from the Air Force after a career, and uh, that was his dream date. He had been to Alaska Actually, in 1964, he was on uh, the Aleutian chain during the earthquake of 1964 and was uh, shocked along with everyone else to discover that he and everyone on his island had been wiped out by a tsunami uh, later that afternoon, uh, which (laughs) clearly didn't happen. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And he had had a chance to travel a little bit in Alaska, and he loved it, and it's where he wanted to end up. And so uh, that's where we arrived. Uh, he, He retired here. In 1973, and I spent my entire growing up in Alaska, with the exception of one year we went to North Carolina while my dad attended his final 
year getting a master's degree in uh, theology, master, an MDiv, Masters of Divinity, mm-hmm. from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Other than that, my whole life has been spent uh, as a resident of Alaska. I went to North Star Elementary School, just right up here on Fireweed Lane. Uh, I was actually in kindergarten at Stellar's building. That was North Star Elementary School, and I was the last class in that building. And then our first class as a first grader was in the brand new North Star across the street. So uh, my history is all within that little section of Midtown and into downtown here where we're sitting right now. These are my stomping grounds where I played when I was a kid. And uh, my dad and mom both came to faith in Christ late in life, but before I was born. Hmm. Uh, I'm the only sibling of the four of us who doesn't know what it was like to to not go to church. Mm-hmm. My growing up was as dad, as a, a lay pastor, a volunteer pastor, you know, not professional, not ordained yet, hadn't been to seminary, but was working in the local church, and uh, going to church every Sunday, twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, you know, uh, visitation, whatever other events were happening. I was that kid, uh, and it was really a, a great growing up here in Alaska to have that as part of my, my history. It, it gave us the opportunity to serve all over the state of Alaska, not just in Anchorage, but several places in the valley when they were still just missions, Palmer Baptist Church when it was Palmer Mission, Hmm. uh, Big Lake before it was Big Lake Baptist Church, uh, places like that. So uh, that's how I got here, and pretty much I've remained here uh, since then. Thought that I was going to be maybe a famous musician, you know, the whole rock star dream, because that's one of the things I do is sing. Yeah, the normal musical ego. Yeah, sure. You know? I mean... There's only so many of us, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think you have to have a little bit of that to put the time and effort into the instrument or your voice. You know, you have to believe it could be something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. In high school, I graduated from West Anchorage High School. Um, When I graduated from there, you know, one of the questions our music teacher asked everyone is, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? You know, and I wanted to be a professional musician. At the time, I didn't think that was actually going to work out to be that I would spend my life in a career where I was leading people in worship, which really turned out to be kind of a professional musician, yeah. right? Yeah. So I like to tell people I've spent my whole life uh, making money. God's provided for me through that avenue. But also, I've just had this blessed opportunity to make music for my whole adult life. Hmm. And how great is that? It's been an incredible blessing. Uh, But the reality is that's absolutely not what I wanted to do. Uh, It was the last thing I wanted to do was be involved in ministry. So I have uh, two brothers, uh, both older, older sister who is currently living here in Anchorage. The other brothers are scattered across the United States. And uh, mom passed in uh, 2000. Dad just passed about five weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great great loss in our family. Mm And I've been married to my beautiful wife, Karen. We were high school sweethearts. And uh, this November will be 33 years that we've been married. Wow. Cool. Two boys, uh, 24 and 21. That's Stephen and Christopher. And uh, and that's our life with one little four-pound Maltese dog at home. <laughs> and now I'm pastoring uh, Christ Community Church. Christ Community Church will be 20 years old in 2022. So. Wow. That's cool, man. That's really not that much longer than we've been around, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that. I, I feel like you guys are 
a lot more established than we are in the city, but I mean, by what metric, right? We, right. Could, we could debate that all day. It's interesting to hear your story when you talk about a lot of the shared experiences that you had with your dad because of his desire to do ministry. I think there's something unique. There's almost a I don't know. It can become a tribalism that's not healthy. Every Christian comedian, of course, has to make fun of pastors' kids, ministers' right, kids. Right. You know, you go to camp as a teenager, and everybody goes, "Where's the pastor's kid? Don't let him see you smoking weed behind the gym, or he'll rat on." You know, that's kind of our reputation is that we become the morality police. But I really treasured those moments. I remember going with my dad to do a hospital visit. And I would go in with him, and he would leave me in the lobby, usually with a book or my Game Boy, maybe, you know, and a slushie. And he'd go and sit with the bereaved or pray for the sick or whatever. And I didn't see any of that happen, but I'd be there for 30 minutes. And, you know, he'd go tell the receptionist, hey, my son's going to be right there. And it's kind of a different day and age then, too. It wasn't quite what it is now. But, you know, she'd keep an eye on me, and I'd hang out. And then he'd come, he'd come grab me, and he was able to leave all of that burden in the room. Probably he was doing a lot of prayer in the hallway. I now realize as a man who has those responsibilities, the transition from one element of ministry to the other, one hot to a cold or cold to a hot environment is work. You have to really be kind of, okay, God, I got to get back into dad mode. I got to be ready to level my kid. I can't carry the burden of the fact that a woman just died while I held her hand. I got to enjoy my slushy with my son. But just a credit to him and such a really special experience for me to be able to be a part of some of that stuff. I don't know if that predisposes us to ministry, but it certainly normalizes things that are challenging. It, it gives me some version of a way to be to my own daughter now. I have some model to look to. I think that's so valuable. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's an interesting take. I certainly can remember just many, many times of uh, loading into the car, and because I was the I was the baby by six years, hmm. so. Uh, the time when Dad got most active in ministry, I was still pretty young, mm-hmm. whereas my siblings, you know, my oldest brother went off to college when I was six years old, seven wow. years old, okay. so uh, they weren't around as persistently as I was, and my next oldest brother, he's six years older than I am, so by the time I'm seven or eight years old, he's heavily involved in youth group and all that, so he's, you know, he's got his own life going on out there, but there's me, still sort of, you know, the baby at home. And so countless times of, of loading into the Jeep Wagoneer in the middle of winter with, with grocery bags full of food, canned food that we had gathered at the food pantry at the church to go and deliver to families at Thanksgiving time or at Christmas time and um, opportunities for ministry when uh, somebody's car broke down, you know, and somebody needed to go help change the tire and all that kind of stuff. And that's one of the things I do really appreciate about my dad is that he was never the he was never the the office pastor, you know, he was mm-hmm. the hands-on, get-your-hands-dirty kind of pastor. Uh, he he ultimately, by the time he died, he had a PhD, so he was he was papered and well well lettered, right? Yeah. yeah. But he was still a man of of handiwork, and his vision of ministry was certainly to preach the gospel, but often preaching that gospel was through the service of his hands and his feet. And that really impacted me a great deal. Even before I finally gave in and surrendered to the call of ministry, still helped formulate who I was as a human being mm-hmm. to see the needs of the people around me and to to stand up to injustice. I saw him do that numerous times and to, to care for those who were marginalized or in trouble, saw that as well. All of, And all of these things as well, given his upbringing, were things that most of us would probably look at and say that they wouldn't intrinsically be his character or nature, mm, mm-hmm. but that it was something that God really grew in him. And it was there from a young age because he made some very decided uh, choices to not be 
the environment in which he grew up. Okay. But then the way that God took that and used it and amplified it to impact so many people. Um, you know, I said he passed here just a few weeks ago, and we had uh, the memorial service there at the church. And as we, even those who were as close to him as we were, laid out tables that sort of told the story of his life, we were still going, look at the impact mm-hmm. that he had. And then I'm looking at myself and my family and my siblings' family and uh, their children who are moving on, some of them in ministry and having impact and touching lives. And it's that proverbial story of the, the, the stone in the water, you know, those ripples just keep going. And the magnitude of that is difficult to grasp. And then when I take that and I put that in the lens of, that's just my dad, and then I think about your dad and other people that I know and their families who have, have really uh, taken to heart the call to Christian ministry and even to just living the Christian life, yeah. right? Following after Jesus, being disciples of Christ. We so underestimate the impact that we're having beyond the moment that we're in. And, and it's truly incalculable and critical and vital to those who our efforts to follow Christ today and be faithful, that impact is so far-reaching beyond the moment that we're in now. And that's the heritage that I'm just thankful for. Just growing up here as a, a dumb little kid in Anchorage, Alaska, <laughs> doing my thing, yeah. you know, running around down at Ship Creek and Chester Creek and throwing rocks and chasing kids and, and all that stuff that we did when we were young. But the seeds of that, that impact were being sown. And to see it sometimes just come, kind of come to the surface and see it for really what it is, is, is gratifying and, and sometimes a little overwhelming. Yeah, and I think there's probably some grace for us in that we can't see all of that in the moment, or we might begin to tell ourselves that we are really, really important and you know special in a way that's not helpful. For sure. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes some guys early in their ministry do begin to gain those indicators. They get told you're the next whatever you're you're gonna you have a unique skill set and you're uniquely positioned and you could have all this impact and that's very easy for that to become the kingdom for it to take the place of our christ in our lives and we instead of introducing our savior to everybody we meet we start thinking how can i save you what can i do i'm pretty good i got a lot going on you know so there's some mercy in that too and i also think that that's just part of reaching the conclusion once the book finally closes when the story is no longer being written all of those maybe seemingly loose ends seem to find their way back together collectively pretty neatly when our lives are in Christ's hands. He has a way of finishing that thing that he's begun. Let me zoom in a little bit on um, maybe the last two decades of ministry in your life. Um, Right now at True North, for those who are listening, uh, we made an announcement at the time of this recording yesterday that there is potential for us to merge with another congregation in town, and um, that merger will mostly consist of us inheriting a few dozen members. Uh, there's no current leadership in play. There's no ministerial staff at the church. There's quite a bit of property, a big uh, footprint on the east side of town. We see that as a great benefit and an opportunity to do ministry and an answer to prayer that God would give us a place to put roots down. But there are a lot of really striking similarities between where we are in 2021 and where the church that would eventually become Christ Community Church was a number of years ago as well. So will you tell us the story of what got you involved in local church leadership there, how, some of the transitions that went on, the merger that you guys had to negotiate. We want to hear as much of that as we can. Help us know that we're not crazy and, and maybe don't tell us the parts that uh, were really hard so that we can <laughs> not already, get spooked. <laughs> I've already told you some of those stories. <laughs> but um, 
you know, I guess I have to take it back a little bit further. You just mentioned something about, uh, you know, being kind of the getting sold on yourself and uh, thinking that that you're what's kind of making the wheels turn and all that sort of stuff. Uh, the reality is that uh, 25 years ago, um, when I was uh, first starting out in ministry, which actually it's been a little bit longer than that now, my first full-time vocational position, um, I actually was that guy. Uh, my first position was with a church that uh, is no longer uh, existing in Alaska called Faith Baptist Church. Uh, and it was, um, at the time that I was growing up, it was the blowing and going concern for Southern Baptist churches, especially here in Anchorage. Uh, large membership, uh, I'd grown up there uh, since I was a teenager, had been involved in uh, youth leadership and all that sort of stuff. I was kind of that, you know, I was the youth group president and things like that. My dad was actually on staff there hmm. at the church as an associate pastor, and I had over time had had come into the position where I would fill in for our worship leader and uh, youth pastor combo position whenever he would go out of town. And my skill set was such that it really was pretty seamless, and it was really a lot of fun. Uh, and it was great for him. He was a great friend. He's still a great friend, really close uh, to me today. He was really my mentor in early ministry. But it was nice to be in an environment for him where he could he could leave town for vacation and not worry about what was happening back at home, right? And uh, the eventual turn of that was God called him away from Alaska. The church took me on as the interim music and youth pastor. They looked for about a year, year and a half, and brought a couple of other people in that they considered for full-time positions. The church rejected those candidates. And in the meantime, the music ministry not only sustained, but it flourished. The youth ministry sustained and flourished. We had, I think at the time that uh, I left Faith Baptist Church, uh, my wife and I left there, uh, she was our 10th and, or 11th and 12th grade Sunday school teacher. We had about 35 kids in 11th and 12th grade. We had 110, 120 kids in youth ministry every Sunday, and, and it was a blast. It was great. The downside of that was I thought I was pretty hot stuff. Um, my first pastorate, I'm pastoring in a coveted position in the largest Southern Baptist church in the state of Alaska, and it's going great. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really going well. There's a fantastic volunteer staff there, and of course, looking back now, I can see the work that they were doing and the work that God was doing, but the end result of that was uh, I became someone I didn't care for. Yeah. As a minister, I didn't like the way that I was treating people. I didn't like the way that I was devaluing the people around me and the work that they were contributing. And I began to see that, but then I also began to identify that that was also a culture that existed within the church in general. It wasn't local just to me. And when God began to break me over that, my wife and I actually came to a place where we um, we, we had this, this habit of, and anytime we went on a trip, uh, we'd spend time in the pool, and somehow God spoke to us in the pool about life decisions. And I very clearly remember being in a pool in Florida, Orlando, and talking about when we go home, it's time to move on. Yeah. Because this is, not only am I becoming a worse person, the people around me that this gospel is supposed to be touching are becoming kind of terrible people to mm -hmm. one another. 
And if that's the gospel, I don't want anything to do with that, is really where I was at. We came home, found out we were pregnant, I just bought a house, and then the calculations got to be a lot different, and I didn't leave. Hmm. And then the wheels just started to come off of this thing, and I desperately wanted to leave, but at that point, God wouldn't release me. It was almost like he had given me a window and said, some things are about to happen that you probably don't want to be a part of. Get out. And we heard that, and then we didn't follow through. Mm -hmm. And then we got to a place where he would not release us, and it was a pretty miserable couple of years. Until circumstances arose, no, you know, no great moral failure, uh, nothing like that, where kind of the, the gauntlet was laid down for me to make a decision uh, to uh, capitulate to something that I just simply would not do in leadership, and I resigned. Had mm -hmm. no job to go to, had nowhere to go, um, gave really no notice because it just happened. And when I left the church that day with all my stuff packed in the back of my 1981 Saab, uh, 900, I told God then, I'm finished with ministry. I never wanted to do this in the first place. I finally gave in to you and said, yes, this is where you've led me to now. I'm done. I'm done with ministry and I'm done with Christians. I don't like these people. And that was my headspace when I left there. And uh, within a few weeks, several weeks, there was a guy who was pastoring a church in town called, uh, worst church name ever, by the way, <laughs> Anchorage Quality of Life Center. <laughs> if, that's not a, if that's not a cult name, I don't know what is, but it was actually birthed out of him. It was the remains of what had been uh, the church on Raspberry Road, Raspberry Road Baptist Church, Southern Baptist Church. Yeah. And uh, they were trying to slug it out and be new and brand themselves yeah, differently, yeah, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. This is what was happening in the 90s, by the way. It's if, funny. If you're not aware. Branding is really never the problem no. with a church, but it's where we start. We go, I know what'll fix this. <laughs> a new logo, nobody even cares. New t-shirts, that's what the community needs to right. see, right? Eh, no, they won't be well, able to... And, and you've hit on something very cogent, because the truth be told, uh, they'd made a great effort of making a, a name and a splash and a brand in yeah. the community. But where it failed was people then went to that brand, and what was delivered didn't match the brand. Yeah. So mm. they were struggling as well. Some of the people that had been in church with me at Faith Baptist Church who had left uh, at the same time that I did because they were disillusioned ended up at Anchorage Quality Life Center, which we lovingly shortened to AQLC so that we didn't have to say that name out loud. Um, they started to, to bug me and say, hey, you know, this place seems pretty cool. Why don't you come hang out over here? So I contacted the pastor and just offered to come and play the piano hmm. for the worship team because they needed a piano player. And in short order, we became really uh, close friends. And God really used that environment and that circumstance to uh, do a lot of healing for us. Uh, because Pretty much everything that we had known, my wife and I had known since high school as ministry and friendships and ministry evaporated the day that I left uh, Faith Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. There were a few friendships that remained, but uh, most of them didn't, <laughs> you know? A lot of awkward moments in grocery stores around town and and things like that for a long time. And uh, But gracefully, God restored 
the passion for that calling. It did. I know. I know. Today, it's it's flashy to say deconstruction, <laughs> but I'll tell you, I deconstructed long before any of the current deconstructioning was happening. <laughs> and I think more than anything, I like to refer to it as a reconstruction, yeah. because what had to come off of my paradigm of Christianity was just all the stuff that didn't actually matter, but had been projected onto my Christianity, and get boiled down to the essentials of of who Jesus is, and what is he calling me to do, and how does does God find favor with me in what I'm doing with him? What What are the measurements of success? And just throwing off all the worldly ideas and trying to engage with biblical ideas of those things. And so... Worked with uh, AQLC for a few years and just struck up a friendship with a guy who was at South Anchorage Baptist Church. He was the pastor there out by uh, uh, Mears Middle School, corner of Victor and 100th, by the way, if you're looking. And uh, their church was really struggling and our church was doing well. We were looking for a place to have a home, kind of like True North Church, right? We weren't necessarily looking to merge with anybody, we just needed a place... to function, because at the time we were in a place over at the corner of uh, New Seward Highway and Tudor Road that we called the Dungeon, uh, because it was a downstairs, windowless hole, and uh, the pastor at South Anchorage Baptist Church, they were struggling significantly, had cut everything that they could cut, Hmm. and were now down to cutting the pastor's salary, because it was the only thing they had left to cut, uh, besides the mortgage, which they couldn't cut, right? And so they invited us to come and just sort of be a church in residence there alongside them. And we thought we would explore doing some things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people at South Anchorage absolutely hated that. <laughs> uh, I mean, the first Sunday I showed up with my guitar, uh, pandemonium broke out. So we backed off that. And by this time, those of us uh, who had been through some trauma, church trauma, yeah. had gotten to the place where... In the old days, we probably would have pushed through, you know, been the, the bull in the china shop. Mm-hmm. But here we were like, oh, okay, well, let's give some grace to that. Let's, let's allow some space because obviously we're not ready. God's not ready. Mm-hmm. And that turned out to be really fruitful because over time we did begin to be able to do some things together. And uh, the end result is we had actually voted both churches that we would pursue not actually merging, but wiping both churches off the slate completely and starting a new church from scratch. New name, new bylaws, new leadership structure, everything new, but something that we would build together without one becoming kind of the the head over the other one. And that was just a process that worked well for us. Uh, It was also a legal process that worked well for us, because in the legal world, there's a difference between a a merger and a consolidation, and what we were doing was a consolidation. And so we worked out all the details of that, and that was in, like, January. Mm-hmm. And the churches were very positive about it. I'd gone to our church, and I said, listen, uh, this is going to happen, I think. This is going to work out. I don't see this happening for probably a year. Easter was in March that year. Mm-hmm. The Sunday before Easter, we showed up at the dungeon and pipes had broken in the spaces above us, and water was pouring down through the ceilings. Oh, wow. And uh, 
everything in the building was soaked except for the soundboard, the electronic drum kit, and the piano. It was like they had umbrellas over them. Yeah. And they were untouched. The piano bench, which we still have today, has watermarks on it where it got wet, but the piano itself didn't get wet wow. at all. Uh, and every now and then somebody would come, and this just happened recently, somebody would come and say, we should refinish that piano bench. I said, don't you touch that that's piano right. bench. <laughs> that's an Ebenezer right uh-huh. there. That's a, that's a monument to what God did. Yep. Because the essential things we needed to be up and running were those pieces of equipment to do the kind of things that we did. Mm-hmm. So I called my buddy Jay over at South Anchorage Baptist Church and said, hey, here's what happened. We need a place to meet. He said, why don't you just come over and let's just throw this thing together? Famous last words, huh? <laughs> I said, okay, so we did Easter Sunday. We did a big combined Easter Sunday, and that was it. We were together after that point, and a couple of months later, we have a charter hanging in the lobby of our church now where the founding members and pastors uh, signed a commitment to one another to found the new church. And uh, and we've been there ever since, and it has been a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows, and we've moved out of the building and moved back into the building. Uh, we've struggled with mortgage payments and mm-hmm. paid off a mortgage, and at the end of the day, uh, when things do sometimes get tough, I really appreciate my, my associate pastor who's been with me uh, from the beginning and even before, uh, Jason. Uh, he'll just remind me, he'll, he'll say, I don't know what you're worried about. We're still here, and somehow God has sustained us and given us a great opportunity for different kinds of ministry over the last 20 years, and it's still exciting going forward. Right now is a hard time coming out of the COVID hangover. Not sure what that looks like, but it's not something we're worried about. It's just something we're wondering about. What does God want to do next? Because we know there's always something next. Yeah. I know that uh, in the life of your church, maybe just recently, but maybe for all time, I don't know, um, you, Tracy, have been open to uh, forms of ministry that are um, in sync with the arts or rely upon the arts. Can you speak to that a little bit? I think a church like True North, um, A, we've never had a permanent location. It makes it hard to do much when you're borrowing space, uh, and, and that, that's not a slight against FBC. They've been great, but, you know, two families in one house, you're going to step on each other's feet. Um, but just speak to that. I think some of that would be maybe new for some of our folks to consider, and uh, we're in a period of transition right now where we're open to new ministries anyway, and so I just think it could be fruitful to hear from you, your perspective on how that's gone and some of what you guys have done. Yeah, that's cool. Um, about... Gosh, I don't know. I'm not even sure how many years ago it was. Certainly all the way back to my uh, history in high school involved with performing arts, uh, music, things like that. I was always uh, involved with choir productions and plays and musicals, and we did a lot of that at Faith Baptist Church back in the day when pageants were a thing, you know, big Christmas show, um, a big Easter show with the Passion of the Christ and, and those sorts of things orchestras and actors and costumes, and it's a lot of fun, uh, really a great deal of fun, and and uh, in many of those occasions, great opportunities for ministry. Uh, somewhere along the way, both personally and through ministry and church, that just kind of fell off the edges. Uh, some of it was for the same reasons. Uh, the early days of uh, Quality Life Center, 
we didn't have a location. We call ourselves Church in a Box. Uh, even before we had the dungeon, we were set up at the Wilda Marston Theater at the library, Lusack Library. So we set up and tore down every Sunday. True North Church knows exactly what that's like. In that same location right? in our earliest days. It's yeah. a great location, by the way. Yeah, for church plants, the yeah. Marston Theater is awesome. Absolutely. And so uh, those locations, because you have access to them for a very limited amount yes. of time, just yes. don't allow you to do some things that are creative. And so we tried to push at those seams anyway because we had people that were uh, engaged with and gifted in uh, the early days of video production and editing, and so we'd make our own uh, music videos, mm-hmm. thematic t- kind of music videos and stuff like that. But uh, several years ago, I got involved with a local theater company called TBA Theater, and uh, really it was just kind of on a lark. It was just something I wanted to do. It was the right time kind of in my own life and life of my family that I could take some time to do some shows. And it became really clear right out of the gate as I began to engage with this community of people is that within this community were people who clearly had some sense of the divine, the creative nature of humanity, uh, some would say spirituality, and certainly I encountered some people who are of Christian faith, but this particular part of their lives, this being an actor or a performer and not necessarily being a public speaker or a worship leader, I'm air quoting right now, by the way, because you can't see that, that there wasn't a place for them within the church. If they didn't fit into one of those lanes, those boxes of being a small group leader or a preacher or a worship leader or something like that, that this creative part of their being didn't have a place to express itself within the church. And since we had been a church that that kind of engaged with that already with uh, small drama ministries. And sometimes we would just put together things that were more thematic and drama oriented for our sermon series. Seemed like this was a natural connection. Hmm. I tried really hard not to build these relationships with the intent of building the church Mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't like making people projects. I don't want to see anybody as a project. But what I did very intentionally do was and try was try to build the relationship with this organization because I liked their values and what they were presenting, that if there were things we could do synergistically together, right. yeah. that that would be a ministry that the church could offer to the community. And then also out of that, maybe God would give the opportunity to share the gospel, to lead people to Christ, restore relationships to Christ. And so it's been about a 10-year partnership now. Uh, I was just in a show for Halloween. Mm. I just did another show with the company for Halloween, which was a blast. And some of my great friends were there. And like the guy who designed the set is a member of my church. When I first met him, he was coming out of another church and he said to me, I'll never go back to church again. Mm. When we started doing some things at Christ Community, and the, the biggest one was we actually hosted um, another organization called Acapel. Uh, we hosted an, a community cast show of Little Shop of Horrors in 2019. And uh, I was the director, and a friend of mine was the music director, who's also a member of our church. But this buddy of mine built and designed the set. And he, listen, he's a big old dude, 6'4", 
manly man came to me. I hope, I hope Bruce, I hope you don't hear this. Um, <laughs> tears in Plug his your ears, eyes. Bruce. If right? you're listening, Bruce, step away. Tears in his eyes and said, I never thought I would get to use my gifts in the church. Hmm. And that was the whole reason why we were pursuing the kinds of things that we did. And uh, it's way too long a story to tell about how God brought the resources together to, to create the stage that we have now and the lighting system that we have, which we use as part of our our normal operations, but its purpose is to be a resource in the community to stage positive and enlightening theatrical type events and dramatic events. And then to cap that off, kind of the way that that has now realized itself is that during COVID, when every other theater group in Anchorage completely shut down because of the relationship with TBA Theater, we were able to have them come in under COVID restrictions, following all the guidelines, Mm -hmm. and host live-streamed theater events, a couple of Shakespeare festivals for people that we as a church facilitated at no charge, Mm -hmm. and which they offered to the community at no charge just to be something positive for the people in the community during a time when the community needed some positive things. Yes, yes. And I will never forget the day that I was in the, the auditorium there, and we were hosting, I think, the third of the Shakespeare festivals that we did. And mandates had relaxed enough that we could have actual humans inside the building, right? And uh, this woman came up to me afterwards. Of course, we're all wearing our masks. And she says, she said, are you the preacher guy? I said, yeah, that's me. She said, I came to Little Shop of Horrors, and it was one of the best local shows I've ever seen. And when I saw the church's name helping to produce this event, she said, I thought, I'm going to go to that. That's going to be good. And that's exactly the kind of goodwill that we were hoping to build within the community is for people to begin to associate the church name with this gift back to the community. Yeah. And so that was gratifying. But then we've also been able to take, uh, last Easter, we did a partnership event with Rabbit Creek Church where we did a theatrical presentation of The Last Supper and Good Friday that was completely uh, original material and sound effects and lighting and and actors, and and it was really a great deal of fun. It was really fantastic. And so we're hoping now, as Lord willing, this COVID hangover begins to wane and we can get back to some more live events that we can increase that and get back to that part of our vision of of using the church as a, a partner to creative arts. And underlying all of that is because our philosophy is, as we look at the creation around us, the creation account, we look at scripture and how it describes the character and nature of God, this creative part of us, which in many facets of the church has not only been ignored, but in sometimes severely repressed. Yes, on purpose, right, right. in church history, yes, um, <laughs> And it's actually something integral to who God is and mm-hmm. part of that image that he gave us when we were made mm-hmm. in his image and that it should be expressed, and uh, we want to celebrate that. And, uh, and I'll just say, there was a time when I could look out across the congregation, some of these folks, a lot of these folks have moved out of state in the last few years, because we all know that story too that 30% of the people that were sitting in that auditorium were direct connections through mm-hmm. the theater community mm-hmm. that we had built, uh, who up until that time felt they didn't have a home. Right. It's really special to me, though I have no personal connection to that at all. The last time I was on stage was in eighth grade. I did make all-region cast, 
I will say. I will not tell you, tell you what the, the play was nor the role that I played, uh, but I did okay, I guess. Uh, I think I was loud. That's why I made the <laughs> – some of the kids were not loud. Um, what's exciting to me about the, to hear those things from you, Tracy, is right now in the life of our church at True North, a year ago we established some vision that we hope is a little bit larger than just taking life 12 months at a time. That had been the pattern before now, and many churches do it that way. The pastor gets up the first Sunday of the year and says – Here's our four or five objectives. Here's how we did last year. It's very much a quarterly report to the investors and not maybe so much as how has God's kingdom advanced and maybe we didn't have anything to do with it, but can we still celebrate it, you know, in the city? And so we've tried to identify some vision principles that are a little bit larger and more helpful than just four or five annual objectives. And then to try to figure out if those things are true, if we find those things to be true, that we are people who, for instance, are meant to be shaping our community, which is what you're describing, to to somewhat with God, take on the role of the potter's hands in culture and civilization and bring something good to the table where almost nobody else can without Christ. Are there ways where we can begin to think outside the box, similarly to what you guys have done, and and find places and times and people whom are not at home in the church and invite them in by way of taking them seriously and being willing to invest in what they care about and never compromising our morals, not having to do that, though. That's a very narrow view of what it means to interact with the world, right? Typically, the world doesn't actually demand that we bow down to its idols. It just wants to let its idols coexist with what it thinks are our idols. And if we can live in that space where our Jesus, who is real, can compete with gods that are not, he does not lose that battle. He doesn't lose it in scripture and he doesn't lose it in reality. So we'll land the plane there for today. I really appreciate your time and I appreciate your insight both into your uh, the helpfulness that you provide, kind of our vision, the stage that we're at as a church as far as mergers and negotiating the future and just being open to God's will. And then specifically to hear your story and to hear that wrap back into your love of the arts and how God's led you to make an impact in that community in Anchorage. It's been a blessing to me. Um, I will give you a chance. I'll give you 90 seconds if you want to leave us with a closing thought, and then I'll sign us off. Yeah, man, it's been a lot of fun to be here. I certainly do appreciate your friendship and have uh, just enjoyed the chance to get to know you better over these last several months. And uh, I just would like anyone who's listening, especially if you're a part of True North Church, to just know that uh, there are others of us out here who love you and care for you and the ministry that God has invested you with, and uh, that we're praying for you. We're rooting for you. We are excited to see what God wants to do with True North Church as it moves forward. And I would just so deeply encourage you to uh, desperately seek the mind of the Lord together, seek unity and direction. And when you run up against things that uh, aren't unified to begin with, to not count those as failures, but to then use those opportunities to just drive you closer to one another, to seek each other's mind, but more importantly, to seek the mind of Christ, because he will always be faithful to reveal the path forward if we will trust him. It may not come in our timing, it may not be right exactly in this moment that we want it to be, but he will always illuminate the path. You cannot seek him and not find him. He wants to be found. So, In everything that you do, there'll be difficult days ahead, there'll be hard decisions to make, there'll be challenges. Covenant together to seek Christ first, and he will illuminate every single place that you need to go. Amen. I have nothing to add to that, Tracy. Thank you. That's a powerful and really helpful blessing over us. Church, next time will be the last new episode of 2021. Uh, I think I mentioned this in a prior episode, but for the month of December... Uh, We're going to rerun some of our favorite episodes from this first season of the podcast, 
And then uh, you can expect some new episodes from us in the new year. We'll keep you posted on our upcoming schedule in 2022. As always, uh, you can submit any questions, comments, podcast ideas. Uh, We'll probably do a mailbag episode early in the new year to the email address info, I-N-F-O, at truenorthalaska.com. If you'll use the subject line podcast questions, that will help us find your questions and get to them at the appropriate time. Uh, Next time on the last new episode for the year, we're going to dig into the history and meaning of Advent as we approach the first Sunday in Advent, the last Sunday in November of 2021. Uh, Until now and then, we love you, we are here for you, and we hope that this has been an encouragement. We'll see you soon.